I was a sophomore in college. I was studying youth ministry at Nyack College, and they took the entire youth ministry department away on a retreat, away on a weekend. Like, I don't know if you know youth pastors, but they're usually some of the craziest people you will ever meet. And so the, youth, the two youth professors said, hey, we're going to take all you guys away. And when we got there, the very first night, they said, we are about to have the most amazing water battle you have ever experienced. They gave us super soakers. They gave us water balloons. They gave us buckets. And they inside just said, go. And we're like, inside? What are you talking about? They said, just wherever you want to go, the gym, the hallway, wherever you want to go, have this water battle. And we, in moments, everything was soaked. Everybody was soaked. It was a complete mess. And it it was so intense. One of my buddies, Graham, he was running away from somebody who was chasing him slid down a hallway into a metal door and actually drew blood on his legs. Like, this was a battle. And as we got toward the end of it, we walked into the gym, my buddies and I, and and we saw, again, everything's wet, everybody's wet, everybody's, like, half the people gave up, and they're just sitting on the side, tired and exhausted. And I see one of my youth ministry professors across the way, and he is walking toward us with two jugs of water. He is convinced it's going to end this battle. And as he's walking toward us, he has this little smirk on his face, like he knows he's about to win. What he didn't know is my friends and I had our hands on a balloon launcher. And one of my buddies grabbed one side, one of my buddies grabbed the other. I pulled this thing back as far as I could, let it fly. The balloon flew across the room, hit the pitcher. The pitcher exploded into pieces all over my professor. He dropped the other other pitcher that he had and walked out and gave up. The battle, the victory. I want to tell you guys for the next two weeks that there is a battle that we are in, but there is also a victory that we can walk in. And I think so often we struggle to remember these two things. My job these next two weeks is to prepare you for the battle, but it is also to remind you that there is a victory. And today we're going to intro this idea and we're going to take some steps into it. And then next week we're going to follow it up with some really strong application. But there's two problems I want to address today. The first one is this, that we don't often take the battle seriously. We don't often take the battle seriously. The second thing I want to address today is that we don't often walk in victory. Now, what do I mean by all this? Well, let's break it down, okay? You're going, what battle are you talking about, Doug? You're saying, I don't take this battle seriously. What battle are we talking about? Well, we're talking about this spiritual battle that is all around us, okay? We're talking about this very real devil, right? And now here's where some of you go, oh, come on, man. Like, this is ridiculous. Of course I don't take this seriously because it's not real. Like, people like you, preachers and stuff, make all this stuff up to kind of scare us and freak us out and make us feel bad. But this is not true, right? I mean, okay, yeah, right, the devil, right? He's hanging out with the Easter Bunny and Lord Vader as we speak, right? Like, he's in that category. And so some of us are struggling to even believe there is such a thing as a battle going on around us. And today, if that's you, I want to say I understand that that might be hard for you. You might be a skeptic. You might be kind of struggling with that. And that's okay. And I'm going to try and help walk you through some objections and think about this a little bit tonight. But there's another camp of us. And that's those of us who would say, all right, you know, the devil probably is real, but I'm not terribly worried about him. You know, like, all right, he probably wants to mess with me a little bit. I want to mess around a little bit with my life, but I'm not terribly worried about this situation. You know, he's the guy with the devil, the devil's guy with the pitchfork and the tail and that whole thing, right? I mean, what can he honestly do? And so we don't take the battle seriously, even that we, either that we don't believe in it at all, or we just don't really remember how big a deal this all is, everybody. Now, the other extreme is 
kind of making too much of the devil, right? It's kind of saying, okay, everything is his fault. Everything that happens in my life that's bad is on him. When I was a kid, my family was going on a vacation and we got about like a minute from the house and all of a sudden my mom was like, oh no, I forgot something. And it was probably like her super volumizing hair, you know, stuff. It was the 80s, the higher, the puffier, the better. And so we're turning the car around, we're driving back and I had watched like too much Dukes of Hazard slash G.I. Joe or something. And I thought while the car was still in motion, I could kind of jump out and get a little head start and run up toward my house to get my mom's super volumizing hairspray. And so as I did, that the car is rolling my foot hit the pavement I get dragged down onto the pavement and then the back wheel of the car runs over my heel okay now listen to me that didn't happen because the devil was in the wheel well of our 1980 station wagon that happened because I was an idiot right so we can't blame everything that goes wrong on in our life on the devil right But that doesn't mean he doesn't exist. That doesn't mean he's not there. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aware of his tactics. And one of his tactics, by the way, quoting a movie, an epic movie back in the day, the lead guy says, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. And some of us have to work through that tonight. And so I want to kind of help you take some steps. But I also, for the rest of us who know there is a devil, here's what I want to say to you. We need to be alert, not afraid. We need to be alert, not afraid. Like the last thing I want to do today is scare you. Listen, the last thing I want to do is glorify the devil. No, we're going to glorify Jesus tonight, okay? And so I need you to repeat after me. I want you to say on the count of three what I say. So I'm going to say it, count to three. You say it, okay? The preacher isn't saying one, two, three. That we're talking about the devil tonight. One, two, three. We're talking about Jesus' victory over the devil tonight. One, two, three, go. That's right. So when you are out later, when you're getting Ralph's and you're asked, oh, where were you guys tonight? Oh, we were at church. Oh, what did the preacher guy talk about? Don't say the devil. Say, say, no, we're talking about Jesus' victory and power over the devil. That's what the preacher guy talked about at church today. We, we so often lose stuff to the enemy. We so often don't walk in victory because we don't take the battle seriously or we just don't know what it looks like to advance in our relationship with God and overcome those strongholds and those things that the enemy throws at us. Now, why is this so important to talk about? Why am I fired up tonight? Why do I have you shouting back tonight? Because whatever you have lost to the devil is too much. I'm gonna say that again. Whatever you have lost to the devil is too much. Some of you have lost much to the devil. You've lost much. He's stolen much from your life. He's stolen relationships. He's stolen purity. He's stolen integrity. He's stolen your witness. He's stolen your peace. Others of us have lost little to this point in our lives. But whatever you and I have lost, it's too much. Because as followers of Jesus, it is not our place to be losing a whole bunch in this battle. Whatever you've lost to the devil is too much. Here's my prayer. My prayer is by the end of this series next week that you and I will pull the balloon launcher back, so to speak, and we will see the enemy's plan explode on him. That's my prayer. 
And so tonight, I want to work through some objections. If you're not a follower of Jesus, again, you might be saying, I just can't believe that this devil exists. Well, here's what I want to do for you then. Again, I'm going to answer a couple objections later, but, but up front, can I just say, way more than you leaving here saying, okay, maybe there is a devil, I want you to leave here tonight saying, there is a risen, conquering, mighty Savior named Jesus who loves me and wants me. Okay, we needed something there, okay? I'm gonna say it again. There is a loving, mighty, conquering, risen Savior named Jesus who loves me, right? Like that is what I want you walking out of here with tonight. And so we're gonna look at 1 Peter chapter five for a few minutes. And Peter, this is so important. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the leaders of the church back in the day. But hear me, he was a mess at first, and if you're here tonight going, oh, this Christian stuff, this Jesus stuff, this devil stuff, it's for all the people who take, you know, being good seriously and all the people who have it together. So I want you to imagine, I said this to our staff this past Wednesday, I said, I want you to imagine that uh, at the grocery outreach on Wednesday, one of our staff members walked out into the middle of the Walmart parking lot and there are people there getting groceries and we're saying hi to people and hand stuff out. I want you to pretend that one of us shouted at the top of our lungs three times, I do not believe in Jesus. He is not the savior of the world. I do not follow him. Like, can you imagine how horrible that would be? Like, let's pretend some of you were there and you heard this said. Like, you would think, wait, 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 who, one of the staff members said that? Like, this is Huge, this is a huge, huge problem. Guys, do you know that Peter did exactly that? Like he got up in public in front of friends and enemies and shouted out, I deny Jesus, I do not know this Lord, I am not following him. Then began to curse and swear to destroy his witness or closeness to Jesus. I wanna let you know that if you're here tonight and you're imperfect, join the club. We have a great risen, conquering savior named Jesus who loves you and wants to make you his own. And that's what I want you to leave here thinking about. But Peter wrote some scriptures down. And in this portion of 1 Peter, he's writing to pastors and elders and teachers and he's trying to help them understand how to live out the battle. And what he writes is so important for you and me too. He says in 1 Peter 5, 5, all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So let's start there. It starts at humility. Now, some of you, if you're reading in your Bibles or on the Bible app or you're just hearing me read this, you said, Doug, that verse just talked about humbling yourself with other people. And Doug, you said tonight we're talking about a battle with the devil. What do the two have to do with each other? Well, here's the thing. What is one of the enemy's favorite ways to trip you and me up? It's with pride, right? Like he wants you proud in your dealings with other people, but he also wants you proud in your approach toward him. And so he wants you to think, ah, man, the devil's really not that big a deal. And you kind of have this arrogant, cocky attitude about it. Like, oh, I can, I can handle him. I'll just push him off a little bit. Like, I'll just deal with him. It's all good. I wanna tell you something, that is a huge, huge mistake. When you and I deal with the devil, when we're in battle, we do so humbly. Because the scripture just told us that God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. And when you and I approach the enemy, we go humbly because we need the favor and the grace of God on us to battle him back. See, here's the deal. A hundred times out of a hundred, I will lose the fight against the enemy. Me, Douglas B. Jensen, the first and the last, because I don't love the full name, is not going to get anywhere if it's me versus the devil, right? The devil has infinitely more power than I do. But 
The devil gets nowhere against God, and he gets nowhere, listen, against God in me and God in you. And so that's why we've got to begin more and more to say, okay, I understand there's this whole battle going on, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to recognize that I so badly need the power and the authority of Jesus at work in my life if I'm going to get anywhere. So it starts with humility. If you came in here proud thinking, ah, he doesn't exist, or proud thinking, ah, I could take care of him if I want to, we're in trouble. We've got to start with humility. Then he goes on in verse 8. I love this. Be alert and of sober mind. Let me say the first two words again. Be alert. Alert. I want you to say it with me. I'm going to say it, then you say it, and I'll count three. You ready? Be alert. One, two, three. Say it. Be alert and of sober mind. And then he says this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Guys, we've got to be alert. Alert, not afraid, right? We've got to be alert. The battle is real, everybody. Everybody look up at me real quick. The battle is real. The battle is not a game. This is not something that we're hoping is going to be this easy little road we walk. No, there's going to be a fight. Like anybody who's ever watched a war movie or experienced military service themselves understands when you are on the battlefield, you have to be alert. And what we often think is the devil's just this kind of cute little thing, this cute little being, and maybe he'll bite at us, but yeah, he'll draw a little blood. It's not going to be the end of the world. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of what I think a lot of us think the devil kind of looks like. Recently, a really generous family uh, heard our kids talking about how they wanted a puppy really badly. And so they actually incredibly generously went and, and got us a puppy. And my daughter's bringing up my man Chewy right now. This is Chewy the Cavapoo. Here he comes. You guys can give him a round of applause. He's, um, he's not a human, so he doesn't know what that means. But he also has more Instagram followers than all of us put together. So there you have it. So this is Chewy the Kababoo. And here's the deal. Most of us think that Chewy is a good representation of the devil. And so do I at about 3 in the morning. Okay? <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what. Chewy just wants to play, man. He'll chase you around the world. He'll chase you around the yard. He'll chase you around the house. chase you up and down the stairs. Like all Chewy wants to do is play. He's named Chewy after Chewbacca, of course. And so he's got the Chewbacca Millennial Falcon toy. And as I dangle that in front of him, he will jump and he will get up real high. He'll jump up on his hind legs. He'll hang on super tight. In fact, yesterday, as I was dangling that in front of him, he bit my finger and drew a little blood. Front row might be able to kind of sort of see it. We often think, eh, it's kind of like the devil, right? Almost cute, right? That's what kind of like Hollywood's made it out to be. And, and you know, all, all of culture kind of has cute. If, if he even exists, he's just kind of cute. He's going to play with you a little bit. And you know what? If at the end of the day he bites, he might draw a little blood. But you know what? You're going to be all right. Guys, we got to remember what Peter said. Peter says here, no, he is a roaring lion looking to devour us. He doesn't want to play with you. Listen to me. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't want to just have a nice little time of, of fetch, right? He wants to destroy you. Now, here is where I want to get real serious for a minute with some of you guys who are wrestling with this idea of the devil. You know that currently in the United States, there is a child sex trade, and our church works hard in, 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 in partnership with some amazing ministries to stop the sex trade. We've actually got several guys in our church who are on a task force in New York City to stop the sex trade in the tri-state area. Incredible stuff. I was just talking with them today. They, they rescued two kids this week. Unbelievable. 
okay? But think about it for a second. Guys, can I say it again? There is a child sex trade in America? Like, I believe that people can do some horrible things in life. I believe we're all a mess, kind of like Peter. We do some really bad things. We deny Jesus sometimes. But there is something behind something like that that is just not coming from a human heart. I believe with all my heart. Something that evil. I can't imagine losing one of my children to that. I can't imagine one of you being lost to that and taken prisoner to that. That is so demonic. And to, to me, I look at something like that, and I, again, I can see the blackness of a person's heart. We are lost. We need saving. But there's a degree of depravity, of, of atrocity with something like that that we have to look at. And you guys can hit that panic alarm whenever you want. We have to look at in the moment, and we have to realize, okay, maybe there's something inspiring, something like that. I think the same thing about what Hitler did. I think the same thing about what a lot of these genocides have taken place in countries around the world. Like, there's something behind that. Listen to me. A person doesn't just do that to another person. And so I do believe that there's a devil. And the devil, man, he wants to destroy you, your marriage, your future marriage, your purity, your faith, your witness, your, the, the impact that you can have, the integrity you have through temptation and oppression and attacks. And now listen to me. This is not where we close in prayer. See, because when we close in prayer right here, then this is a horrible, horrible message. It's one of the worst I've ever given, and I've given some bad ones. This is a horrible message if we close right now. We leave here afraid. We leave here not knowing what to do. We leave here in panic mode. Do I even sleep tonight? What do I do? There's this roaring lion trying to devour me. What do I do? But I thank God so much for verse 9, because look at what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 9. Peter says two words to start, resist him. Resist him. Guys, this is so important to talk about. You know why? Because it shows us that to resist the devil is both possible and necessary. To resist the devil is both possible and necessary. Listen, it is possible. You know why that's important for you and me? Because when the image comes on the screen and we're tempted, we sometimes believe there's nothing I could do. This temptation is too strong. When we get into the argument with our boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, and we cannot calm ourselves and we cannot contain this anger that feels like it's just overflowing out of us, we can stop ourselves. Remember, wait, Peter says, I can resist him like it's possible, right? It's also necessary. Why is it necessary? Because again, like I said, anything we've lost to the devil is too much. We've got to stop handing over areas of our life to the devil and saying, have fun, enjoy, destroy all that you want. We resist him. But how do we resist him? He goes on, standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. Here is the picture. Everybody look up at me real quick. Here is the picture. The picture is you and I Firm in our faith, which means our confidence in God. So when I'm tempted by the image on the screen, when I'm tempted to yell at my girlfriend, boyfriend relationship, when I'm tempted to be upset at my parents or my kid, when I'm tempted to go and, and you know, numb out on this or that, right? When all of those temptations hit you and I, what we can do in that moment is say, wait a minute, my Jesus is bigger and stronger, right? 
My Jesus is bigger and stronger than this temptation. I don't have to give in to this thing. Peter says I could resist him, and he's bigger, and he's stronger. And you're sitting there going, Doug, give me some proof that he's bigger and stronger. Like, how do I know he's bigger and stronger? Can I read you guys a verse from James? In James 2.19, it says, You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. When's the last time you shuddered? I don't mean just like you were a little freaked out, you're a little scared. I mean you shuddered. You were straight up afraid. Our youth pastor Joey was locking up the building up top a few weeks ago after green room and he shut everything down, set the code. He was driving out home in his Jeep by himself or so he thought. And as he got right around the corner here, some kids who had hidden in the back of his Jeep just screamed out, hi Joey, like super creepy. Now, that is one of my worst nightmares. So I check in the back of my car, friends. Like, I am not falling for that, okay? I would have shuddered screamed, and so did Joey, as jacked as he is, right? There is something about fear that comes through us physically and emotionally when we are that scared. And did you just hear what James, or Peter, or I'm sorry, James said? Yeah, James said that the demons know God is real and they shudder. So let me ask you a question. If you have them knowing God is real and shuddering kind of on a scale here, then where do we think this is all laying out? We're like, who do we think is in charge? Who do we think has more power? I love it. That the enemy, the demons, they shudder in fear when they know the truth about God. I love Genesis 3, just three chapters into the Bible. God looks at Satan and he says something. I gotta explain what he says. If you don't understand, just hang with me because this is so powerful and so important. He says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What is he saying? When he says that, this is God talking about Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I've, I've brought up Jesus before. I'm gonna continue to talk about him tonight. But basically, when he says to Satan, just three chapters into the Bible, you will strike his heel, he's talking about when Satan would turn a bunch of people against Jesus and Jesus would end up on a cross and then end up in a grave. And that is the idea of Satan striking Jesus' heel. And think about it. G Satan took his best shot at Jesus and the way it gets described is striking his heel. Have you ever had your heel struck? I have. Skateboards, baseball, soccer balls, my dog, my kids. Doesn't feel great, right, when your heel gets struck by something, but you're not gonna die. At the end of the day, you probably forget about it about a minute later. Ah, right? And then a minute later, you're like skateboarding again or playing ball again or doing whatever you were doing, right? So the devil's best shot against Jesus was like a strike against his heel. So let's put that on the scale, okay? And then... God says to Satan, but he's gonna crush your head. Well, what's that? That's Jesus rising back from the dead, right? Defeating. See, Satan thought he had won. He thought he had him beat. He thought he had absolute victory. And then Jesus came back from the dead out of love and power and authority for you and me to rescue us from our sin. So let's put that on the scale. Heel being swiped at, right? Head being crushed, I've never had my head crushed before, but if I had, I wouldn't be here today because it's devastating, right? 
And so even in the third chapter of the Bible, we discover who wins and who loses. In the third chapter of the Bible, we discover that Satan loses and Jesus crushes his head. Guys, amen. You're seeing tonight that this is not even a competition, right? Like this is not a close second. Have you ever been watching a race and somebody goes flying by and you're like, oh, let's look at the super slow-mo and see like if the guy had his neck stretched out a little further and did he beat him out? And like the Satan is not like right behind God. And so when you and I get tempted, when you and I are fearful, when you and I feel beat up, when you and I feel alone and abandoned, when you and I feel overwhelmed, we stand firm in our confidence in the risen Savior who crushed Satan's head. That's how we take steps forward. That's how we walk in victory. It's that confidence that there's somebody bigger and better than my sin. There's somebody stronger and more powerful than my sin. This is what gives us the victory over the devil. This is how we advance. And guys, everybody look up at me. Church, we're supposed to advance. Like, this is why we're here. We're supposed to advance. I want you to think about, again, if you were in the military or you've ever watched a war movie, I want you to think about when they're fighting and they make it like 20 yards up the, up the field and they dig a new trench, right? They trench out. They just gain 20 yards and then they go another 20 and they dig out the trench again, right? That's supposed to be you and me advancing, advancing, right? Getting closer to Jesus, more and more victories. Will we get shot sometimes? Will we fall sometimes? Yes. But there's grace for that. And so when the temptations hit you, like the ones Anthony talked about last week that are from within, or the ones I'm talking about today, the ones from the enemy when he comes at you and me, we just have to keep being confident that our Jesus is better. I want you to look at one last verse with me tonight. He says, next, he says, so resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Why is that important? Because here's my guess for some of us tonight. We thought we were the only ones in the battle. Did you know that's one of Satan's biggest lies? He gets you to believe you're the only one who's tempted by the image on the screen. You're the only one whose marriage has fallen apart. You're the only one who is maybe a little bit older and feeling abandoned. You're the only middle schooler here tonight that feels so jealous you don't even know what to do with yourself because of what somebody wrote on Instagram or that you didn't invite you. And he makes you think you're the only one. But James just told us, or I'm sorry, Peter just told us that this is what all the family of believers is going through. You know, I've got lots of friends who are pastors and I talk to them and we share what's going on in our churches, in our lives, just like, what's happened? How you doing? How you guys holding up? And I gotta tell you, you know, 2020 has been a really hard year for our church. Can I tell you something tonight? It has been a hard year for every church. For every church I've talked to, every pastor I've talked to, every leader I've talked to, I'm like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't even believe what we've gone through. And they're like, same. I want you to know something tonight. If you feel like the enemy is attacking you, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It might just be because God wants to use you in such powerful ways that if he can take you out now and shut you down now, he wins. I love the night service. We got a lot of different people here. We've got young and old, but we've got tons of young. And you know what? I'm not the coolest guy in the world. And you know what? There are probably way cooler preachers to listen to than me. But if there's something I do see, it's unbelievable potential in you unbelievable potential for you to be able to look to the future of what God could do. 
And we so badly need, guys, to win some victories. We so badly need to come out under the, under the, the, the lie that we are stuck, that our generation is headed to hell in a handbasket, and that there's no hope. Guys, we've got to kind of wake up, church, right? We've got to be alert. And I want to tell you guys, if you kind of feel like you've been beaten down, and if you can put, picture like a UFC fight where one guy's on the one side of the cage and he's just getting kicked, punched, elbow, kicked, punched, elbow, and you're like, that's me. I've just been, that, that's my story. That's where I've been, and that's what's been happening to me. I have to tell you something. You have a choice. You can get up. You can get up, and I know this is true because I see it in myself. There are days I can beaten back. I feel like the UFC fighter who's got no shot, and I'm just waiting for the ref to shut this thing down. But there are other days when I say, no, 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 I can get up my eyes on the conquering risen Savior, and this does not have to beat me anymore. The oppression, the temptation, the feelings like giving up, the feelings like I'm a failure, the blah, 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 all the lies the enemy loves to throw. And I'm guessing the same is true for you. And so here's what I'm hoping you're seeing tonight. I'm hoping you're seeing that the battle is real, but the victory is yours in Jesus. This battle is real. Please do not miss that. Don't think, ah, it's just fake. Ah, cute little Chewie's coming after me. What's he going to do? No, this battle is real. We have got to be alert. But the victory is ours in Jesus. And church, we've got to get our eyes on him, right? We've got to get our eyes on our risen Savior. We've got to be alert. We've got to resist the devil standing firm in our confidence and God, and remember, guys, you are not alone. The people sitting here tonight around you, we've each got our own thing, man. We've each got our own temptation. We've each got our own struggle, our own oppression, our own battle plan. Like Anthony said last week, these battles that come against us are tailor fit for us. And so don't believe you're alone. And I love that Peter says, no, the whole family, I want you to picture this for a second, the whole family of believers is going through the same thing, the same battle, which means if the whole family of believers got up out of the corner and stopped letting the enemy beat us down, imagine the army we could be, the force for good, the force for God in this community. You are not alone. Stand firm. You are not alone. Be alert. You are not alone. It is possible and necessary to resist the enemy. You are not alone. Stand firm in your confidence in a God who crushed the enemy's head. I know how real this is because I've struggled, but I've seen victories too. I know how real this is because I've gotten to walk with many of you and I've seen you struggle, but get back up again and walk and get the 20 yards to the next to the next spot you dig a new trench, the next 20 yards to the spot you dig a new trench. Guys, this is what it looks like. And no one in the army is surprised when the enemy shoots at them. Like, like they're not just sitting down playing cards in the middle of a war zone thinking like, why are these bombs going off all around us? But that's us sometimes, isn't it? Like we wonder like, why do I feel so sad today? Why do I feel so tempted today? Why do I feel so oppressed today? Guys, there's an enemy trying to destroy you, but there's a savior who is so much greater. So do not be afraid, but be alert. The battle is real, but the victory is yours in Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, again, when you leave here tonight and somebody says, ah, did you try out that church place? They're like, yeah, I went to the guy, talk for a while. Well, what do he talk about? Please don't say the devil. Please say, oh man, 
I heard about Jesus. And I heard about this Jesus who loved me so much that he, he hung on a cross and was murdered in my place to rescue me. And they placed him into the ground, but then he rose back from the dead and he loved me that much and he was full of that much power and authority that now I'm free of my sin and all the things that I've done and now the Holy Spirit is inside of me and wow, even the enemy cannot take me down. That's what we're talking about tonight. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I need you to go to him now. I need you to say, here's my battle. Here's where I've been pummeled down into the corner. Here's where I've been curled up in a ball, getting the life beat out of me. This is it. Name it. Pornography, sleeping around, hate, jealousy, fear, oppression, depression, messing around with the occult. I've been looking at things I shouldn't be. I've been touching things I shouldn't. I've been going places I shouldn't. And you name it, and then you say, but Jesus, I'm looking at you because you crushed the head of all of this. I'm gonna stand firm in that faith. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me in just a minute. Guys, the truth is, the battle is real, but the victory is yours in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful, Lord. Oh God, we humble ourselves before you. God, there's nobody else like you. Thank you so much, God, that you've opened our eyes tonight, maybe reopened some of our eyes, reminded some of us just how real this battle is. But I thank you, God, we're not gonna be afraid, we're gonna be alert. Thank you, God, we're not gonna, we're not gonna shudder. That's, that's what the enemy does when he thinks about your power and authority. So we're gonna be alert, not afraid. And God, by your grace, we're gonna be humble and we're going to stand firm and we're going to resist and we're going to keep our eyes on the one who crushed the head of the enemy for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you, would you go to him now? Would you say, this is my stuff. This is my stuff, God. This is where I'm at. This is, I'm going to be real. No more hiding. No more pretending. This is what I've been doing. This is where I've been. This is where my heart's been broken. This is where I feel so oppressed and overwhelmed. Oh God, rescue me. Oh God, my eyes are on you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to pray with me now. You can just pray something like this quietly. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for hanging on a cross, being placed in the grave, but then rising back from the dead. Thank you for your love, your power, and your authority. And now, God, I pray that you will place your Holy Spirit in my life and let that spirit remove fear. Let her remove doubt. Let her remove selfishness. Let her remove pride. Let her remove impurity. Let her remove my own way. And God, instead I pray that you will lead me forward in a loving relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. So before we sing again, I want to pray over our, our city, our town, our island. God, you are powerful, God. We, we lift Jesus high tonight. That's the strategy. We lift Jesus high tonight over this island, over Hopog and beyond. And I pray, Lord, that, God, you will do such a mighty work here, God, redeeming this island, drawing us back to you. I pray out over our nation, God. We're not going to fix America. You're going to fix America, God. You're our hope. We humble ourselves. Our eyes are on you. We're desperate for you. You are a hope giver and a life giver, and you see potential in every person in this place tonight, every person hearing my voice right now across the town and beyond, Lord. We pray the hope of God. I pray for the neighbors around us, Jesus, that the love of Jesus and the Holy 
Holy Spirit would fall on them now and would be producing beautiful things. I pray for neighbors right now in tears because the presence of God's visiting them. And so, Lord, we need you. We love you. And we thank you that the battle is real, but the victory is ours in Jesus.